Hey sister, Cassie Little here to welcome you to your sorority journey, a podcast for sisters to find guidance and confidence in any season of their membership. Our rockstar guests and I have intentional conversations, discuss unpopular topics, and provide relevant encouragement to be an extension of your sisterhood. So thanks for inviting us on your journey. Are you ready to dive in? Ebony, welcome to Recruitment Takeover on the Your Sorority Journey podcast. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. We're so excited to have you too. Thank you so much for saying yes. I have loved getting to know you in preparation for this episode, and I'm so excited for our listeners, both who listen to the Your Sorority Journey podcast ongoing and specifically for recruitment season to get to know you. As we get started, would you just introduce yourself and specifically how your sorority membership and passion for diversity, equity, and inclusion work have come to overlap? Absolutely. I'm happy to be a part of your conversation, especially around recruitment and getting to share a little bit about my experience and why this is such an important opportunity for discussion. So happy to be here and to tell you a little bit about how I got to this moment, I guess. I am a proud member of Alpha Delta Pi sorority. I joined my freshman year of college and it's been a part of my life ever since. Um, I think one of the great things for me is that I was able to find really meaningful leadership roles in my sorority experience. Mm. I served as a chapter president and anyone who's ever served in an officer position in any chapter knows how much you grow in those spaces. And for those of us who serve in the role of president of our chapter, I took away so much in leadership and relationships. It was such a meaningful experience for me. I knew that I didn't want to leave that behind. And so that idea of it being four years and then it being for life really resonated with me. And yeah. I've stayed actively involved with my organization ever since. So even in graduate school, I found an alum chapter. When I moved for a job, I found the alum chapters. I've always yeah. just really looked to my sorority to make friends, to feel at home wherever I've lived. And it's been beautiful because it has provided opportunities for leadership and volunteerism that have really aligned with my profession and my passion. And so I think that's one of the great things around sorority is that you can find ways to give back that resonate with you. And for yes, me, that's absolutely. been leadership development and it's been education and it's been DEI consulting and designing education for our members and our volunteers. And so I've just been really lucky and thankful to find meaningful connection between those two spaces. So I never felt like I had to choose one or the other, that they really yeah. got to exist together. And I think that's truly, I mean, one of the greatest gifts around sorority is making it a part of your lifestyle. And I've been really lucky to do that. And it's been so rewarding. So that's how I've managed to sort of stay connected and how we found each other through those yeah. awesome opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I think that lifestyle piece is maybe my favorite part of having guests mm -hmm. and the reason we revolve all of the work on the Your Story Journey podcast around where sorority members end up after college because the yeah. lifestyle piece is what integrates any field, any profession with sorority membership, right? It's how Absolutely. do you apply, bring your gifts and passions and skills to membership. And lucky for me, I got to learn from you at Sigma Kappa's Volunteer Summit when you spoke um, specifically for volunteers around diversity, equity, and inclusion 
as a volunteer and how to support chapters in that work. And as you and I were talking, we had discussed that the term or the acronym DEI gets thrown around as flippantly as sisterhood lately. And so it would be really helpful as we consider how that sphere of our membership experience impacts recruitment to be like better defined or have a working definition for the sake of our conversation today of what DEI is specific to the sorority space. So would you want to like help us unpack that as we get started? Absolutely. And I'm thrilled that you mentioned again, how we met through Sigma Kappa. One of the great things that I do as a DEI consultant and practitioner is work with lots of sister organizations. So I'm thrilled that I get to work with other NPC orgs, and then I get to work with other volunteers and other uh, college members, because it really does help reinforce what that Panhellenic spirit looks like when we're all working towards really important and shared goals. And I think, as you know, and as part of what our conversation is about today is that DEI initiatives are a huge part of the overall NPC experience right now and really doing what we can to create spaces where our members can really thrive and feel valued and seen. And when we talk about DEI, which is an acronym for diversity, equity, and inclusion, some places might say DEI and add an A, which oftentimes includes this idea of access, or maybe they add a B and it's DEIB, which is belonging and thinking about mm. the full experience there. And it's important to kind of know the definitions or the working terms that make up those acronyms. But really, when we talk about DEI as a sorority concept, or as a concept in any organization, it really is referring to the entirety of the work that we're doing, as it relates to programs, policies, education, structures, kind of all of those things that work together to make that sorority experience meaningful and important for our members. It's really about creating a space where we can show up as our whole selves, that we feel valued with our input and our life experiences, that we feel validated and expressing those things within our sisterhood. And so D is really everyone doing that work collectively of creating that space where everyone can, can really be present and feel involved and connected. And I think we have gotten really comfortable, like you said, it's sort of just like this phrase that's tossed out, but it's yep. really critical work. And it's really about the holistic experience of a chapter or a national organization. And so when we talk about DEI, we're really talking about what kind of environment are we creating for our members and how mm -hmm. are we ensuring that it's meaningful and that everyone can be successful while they're here. That's what it feels yeah. like for me. And I think that idea also maybe makes it feel less daunting and challenging because it's really yeah. just about, for me, DEI is really about values. What are your organization's values? And if you are truly living those out, if you are doing those things well, if you're doing sisterhood well and academics well and philanthropy well, you are probably doing DEI well. Is It's part right. of that message. So that's what it feels like to me. And I hope that's when I, when I talk to um, chapter members and to volunteers, and to national officers, I hope that's what they are starting to take away and understand about that process. Well, what I hear you say as you make that description mm -hmm. is it's just another layer of sisterhood, right? We have yeah. structure in place, we have policies, we have programming to better cultivate our sisterhood, right? Absolutely. And when we think about recruitment specifically and how 
I don't know, sometimes dated our structure or our recruitment mm -hmm. rules, policies, or our recruitment education is, it's, a, it's us going back and saying, okay, is this like the best way for us to facilitate sisterhood? If we're updating a lot of other spheres of our member experience, such as like member development, new member education, mm -hmm. um, even like networking for our seniors, right? There's so many things that we are like constantly evolving. Why aren't we doing that also with recruitment? Um, so utilizing that definition, I, I think DEI and recruitment have been uh, highlighted uh, what would you say, conflict uh, in the sorority space, right? When we think about areas of sorority that maybe isn't doing the best to provide that belonging, provide that inclusion, recruitment has been highlighted, highlighted for many of the examples. Yeah. So thinking about that, how does this definition of DEI affect the role of recruiters and recruitment counselors as they exist at present, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that recruitment is one part of the sorority experience. We have placed a lot of weight on the recruitment experience, yep. but it's one part of our sorority experience. And it is one of those things that I think we get very um, comfortable in being something that we repeat. It's a very traditional space. Yeah, it's, it's probably of all of the sorority spaces the one place where more than anything I hear folks say, well, we've done it like this for X amount of years. We, we always, always do it, this, do way. it this way. Yes, exactly. It works this way. And I think DEI really confronts that. It confronts that idea of, yes, we've done it this way. And yes, maybe it's worked. And yet we still have an opportunity to review it. We still mm -hmm. have an opportunity to make sure that it is working for our process right now, that it's meeting the needs of our um, chapter members right now, that it's meeting the needs of our newly admitted students right now, that it's meeting the needs of our community right now. And just like any other time in your sorority process where you're maybe doing an annual review of your bylaws or any other processes or structures, recruitment should be in the same space. We should really be, really be looking every year at what are we doing and how can we do it in a way that creates a more inviting, accessible, inclusive space. I think for the women in the process, particularly those who are serving as recruiters or those who are serving as recruitment counselors, when I think about what it means to do DEI well as a recruiter or a recruitment counselor, I think it's just about being really authentic with who you are. And mm. I always talk about when I'm thinking of what it looks like to be authentic in a recruiting space or in a sorority space in general, is I always tell people, really get comfortable with your story. The more you are comfortable with your story, and that means everything. That means who I am, what are my social identities, where do I come from, what has been my authentic experience so far in the organization yeah. or in the community. You've got to be ready to talk about that stuff in a way that feels comfortable and confident for you. So that should be part of your preparation for recruitment is just getting comfortable with your story. And as recruiters, we spend a lot of time getting comfortable with the chapter story. But we don't yeah. always spend time getting comfortable with our story. And when we're having the opportunity to meet potential new members and have individual conversation, yes, we can tell the message of the sorority or the chapter, but we should also be telling our story. And mm. when we can get comfortable doing that, being authentic and saying, this is who I am and this is how I experience this organization, you'll see potential new members respond to that in a really meaningful way because it's almost like it 
it gives permission or it empowers them to say, oh, well, if you're these things and you're having this experience, I can probably be these things and have an experience that feels good yeah. to me too. And that for me feels really important. I think that's the individual work of DEI efforts that we sometimes try to overlook is getting to know who we are. What does it mean for us to be a person in this space? What do my what does my race say about me? What does my religion and faith practice say about me? What does you know my socioeconomic status say about me yeah. when I talk about my sorority experience? Because when I can talk about those things, I feel less challenged or threatened when someone asks a question that feels maybe out of left field because yep. I can frame it and reference it to my own lens and my own perspective and my own experience. And that's what we want. We want you as a recruiter to share your perspective and your experience because it's yours. No one else has that. And that's yep. what's going to connect and bring another member into that sisterhood experience with you. That's so good. I think about philanthropy day and sisterhood day specifically, right? We almost get our recruiters on a script, right? Or recruitment counselors on yeah. a panelinic script of these are the things we do. Make sure to touch on these things. Make sure to let them know these are the causes we support. These are the sisterhood activities we do. When in all reality, in the chapter story, like you were saying, right? Yes, we do these things, but each and every member of your organization is going to have a different experience at those events. Yeah. They're all right? doing those same things very differently. And that right. makes the experience so meaningful. Right. And that's the story we have to figure out how to share confidently. Because I think, again, when we're talking about that idea of including all of the perspectives and experiences in your organization, yep. you want folks to know what does it look like for me to do this? Not what does yep. it look like for everybody to do this? What, you know, a potential new member is trying to find their connection. And by you sharing yeah. your authentic experience, it's giving them the space to say, oh, this is someone's experience. And the next conversation that I have with another woman should be totally different. Should be totally different. totally different. We may have gone right. to the same annual philanthropy program, but what we did there is probably very different. So right. having, you know, canned answers is not authentic. It's not going to build a space where members join the organization and feel that they can have their unique experience there. And what's, that's what we want to do during the recruitment process. I love that. And I think if PNMs are we know PNMs are stalking these chapters on social media, right? We know they're getting the chapter story already. So when they finally have this opportunity to meet a member of this organization, they don't want to see the highlight reel that's been posted on Instagram. They don't want to hear that yes. through a different platform. They want to like hear a real life experience to help their preferencing, right? As yes. they put in their, their preferences at the end of the day. So if that would be your like, challenge or advice mm -hmm. for recruiters and recruitment counselors. Let's talk about the potential new members as they're approaching this space that they might know vaguely of the structure and tradition based on individuals in their life who have spoke that into over them or YouTube or Instagram, yeah. whatever, whatever else they're getting their sorority insight from. Mm -hmm. For people who are new to this space going through recruitment, what would your advice be to them in, the, in pursuing diversity, equity, inclusion in the recruitment experience. Yeah, I actually think one of the things you said is so important to this from the PNM experience is that your reference to sort of the highlight reel that is social media. 
that really is what it is. You're highlighting yeah. certain things. You're talking about all of the kind of great things that happen in your organization, as you should. That's a really positive use of yeah. a social platform. But for me as a PM, I have seen that. And now I kind of want the truth. I want sort of the nitty gritty. I want to know what's really going on. So I think for PMs, the same thing holds true. Get comfortable telling your story, be ready to kind of live authentically into that. And you'll find that comfort the more you have these conversations and have opportunities to meet all of these wonderful and amazing women across your campus. But you've got to be ready with your story. So do some of that, that work. Be prepared to kind of talk about who you are and what you really like beyond the things that you may be turned in on your um, application, application. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because that's your highlight reel. And someone's probably already looked at that. So what else would you like them to know about you? I would also say for PMs, that is your opportunity to ask the meaningful questions. I wish our PMs felt empowered to ask the things that they really want to know answers to, that they are curious about. If we're trying to make a connection that is for four years and then for your rest of your life, you want to make sure that you are really getting to know what the organization is as it relates to what you need from that organization. What do you need to feel connected and included in a, a sisterhood experience? So writing some of those things down in advance, being sort of prepared and mentally thinking about what are some of the things that I'd like to know as I go into this space. So a great example I think I'd love to give is, when you think about that highlight reel again, there's likely that the philanthropy has been highlighted already. You sort of mentioned that. And even depending on your campus, whether recruitment is three days or five days, there's probably a philanthropy day, right? So there's an opportunity yep. for the organization to tell you about their national philanthropy. For me, as someone who really values um, immediate community connection, social activism, I probably also want to ask, what other organizations do you support at the local community level? Are yeah. you committed to doing social justice work? What opportunities do your members have to volunteer with certain you know, organizations in the community? You as a, a PM should ask that because that's your day-to-day -day experience in the organization. And if um, community support and community initiatives are important to you, you should ask about that. And recruiters should be prepared to answer those questions. So again, as a recruiter, knowing your national philanthropy information is really important, but you should also be reminded, what are some of the things that we do that aren't necessarily tied to that? How are we giving back to our campus? What are my sisters doing? What are they involved in yeah. that I could help make a connection for a potential new member? So again, just really thinking from that membership experience as you're going through the process, ask the questions that matter to you. And it may not be the, the question that the young woman in line next to you all week asked, maybe she has no interest in that question, but you have to ask the questions that are going to be important to help you find the right space to feel connection. And that takes some practice and prep. You gotta do a little bit of work so that yeah. you're ready in that moment to feel confident to ask those questions. I love that encouragement to do prep beforehand, right? Not, not just know what you value, but know how to phrase that in a question to actually challenge the recruiter, right? Because I yeah. think I know when I was a potential new member, I wanted to dress the right way, to say the right thing, to conform, so to speak, to be the ideal sorority woman. So I would find my home, right? When in all reality, what I needed to do, and it all worked out, right? I joined an organization that was very <laughs> aligned with my values. Like, it didn't, it didn't, um, ruin my experience, but I think traditionally that's 
what PNMs might be um, might be thinking when they're going through the process, right? When really there is so much confidence and empowerment that we should be putting into them to say, actually, this is your call sister. Like you get to find a chapter that's aligned with what you want. And even if it's considered top house or the highest on Greek rank, whatever other people in line next to you are evaluating based on, doesn't mean that has to be what you're evaluating based on because no one's going to care when you're a part of this, I don't know, lifelong network, what your ranking was on campus or which fraternities you partied with, right? You're going to matter. You're going to, you're going to care about which organization about joining an organization whose values align with your own. And, and you've got to be able to express that, right? Like if you are thinking about what it means, this is why some of that prep work comes in. It can be a very daunting experience to be part of this recruitment process, whether you're a recruiter or a potential new member. But again, you know, the time you invest in preparation will show up for you in the process. And I always, you know, really think that as we're talking about what it means to do that, I think it's always best to be prepared. And sometimes that just means kind of getting prepared with what it is I want to ask and what I want to know, but also getting prepared to feel comfortable in my own body in that moment. So wearing the, the things that make me feel good is going to be much more important than me kind of feeling uncomfortable all day. And an organization that is really trying to create a recruitment process where we are looking to the characteristics and values of the women that we bring in, it shouldn't matter if my shirt was purple instead of red and we love red shirts, right? Like that shouldn't be the thing. And again, as we're thinking about building inclusive recruitment practices, the conversations we should be having with potential new members should be about who they are and what they're Mm -hmm. looking for. And it shouldn't matter if if the shoes they wore were not the best or whatever those things are. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard when we have created a system for better or worse that has some of those things that are about external presentation that maybe take precedence over sort of that really important uh, internal piece of who that person is. So that's part of that idea of making space for everyone to feel like they can truly be themselves in the process. And it releases, I think, a lot of that pressure that I see our women really struggling with during that recruitment process. I love that. Uh, This episode is airing right after our episode on values-based recruitment, which ties right into what we're talking about, right? But a piece that we didn't touch on in the values-based recruitment episode is that piece of social justice and alignment, right? As PNMs are probably going through the highlight reel, I'm sure they are seeing on one chapter or on their campuses, Instagram, these statements around inclusion and denouncing any um, racism or implicit, I don't know, approval of racism in their campus community or in their uh, greater city or state. And I just want to touch on that. Like, how would you encourage potential new members to be social in being like socially responsible to follow up on these things that they're reading about either their chapter or their communities platforms or policies on these things? I guess this is a two-part question. How would you encourage PNMs to speak to this? And how would you encourage recruiters to prepare to respond? Yeah, I think this is a great moment to, to highlight that a lot of our organizations could really get caught in this moment because if what we've been doing is performative, if it really is just the thing that's out there for us to post online to uh, show support, but we haven't actually done the internal work. This goes back to me talking about what does DEI mean? 
if yeah. our organization hasn't really done the work of reviewing our policies and practices, making updates and changes as we need, providing ongoing opportunities for development and education for our members, for our volunteers, for everyone, if we haven't actually done those things, those questions are what will trap us in that process. So this is bigger than recruitment. This is the overall long-term goals of the, of the chapter and the organization. And that's when those questions from potential new members could be really difficult for our recruiters. So again, I think for recruiters, it's recognizing that I, I have to know what's happening in our organization as it relates to DEI. Do we have an inclusion statement? Have we made any changes to our policy in the last year that maybe someone saw online? I wanna be ready for that. So we've gotta be prepared to understand every member has a responsibility to the DEI work of the organization, whether you're an officer or a first semester member. You have a responsibility to that work and you should be able to speak about it, again, from both the chapter level, but also your individual experience. Mm -hmm. And for our PNMs, asking those questions is important. Asking what are you doing in your organization? What can you highlight for me? What's something that's happened in the last year? Those are all questions our PNM should feel empowered to ask. And those are all questions that our recruiters should feel confident to answer. And that's really part of that, again, preparation for the recruitment process. Because what we don't want is an inauthentic story. We don't want something that is performative. We don't want um, someone to feel like they can't answer that question. Although not knowing an answer is not the end of the game, right? Yeah. That's an easy, an easy thing of, I don't actually know, but I can find out for you. Let me ask someone. But instead of making up a, an answer, right? Yes, like owning your, Please I don't, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just as a reminder again, that these are going to become the kinds of questions that are important to our potential new members. So they need to be important to our chapter members and recruiters. And it's again, if we didn't talk about that last year, it's a reminder that every year we're reviewing what we're doing during recruitment, yep. because maybe this year we do want to talk about that. We do want to highlight that because now that's an important part of our discussion that maybe it wasn't before. So I think it's sort of is part of the responsibility of the chapter and the recruiters, just as much as it's a responsibility of the potential new members to get really clear on what we're doing and why it's important and relevant to this moment. I love that. I think it is not just one side, right? It's not just the recruiters having the answers. It's the potential new members empowered and knowing that this is their social responsibility because as soon as they join one of these chapters, to your point, every member in the organization has a role to play, has a responsibility to play in DEI work, right? So when that PNM crosses over from a potential new member to a new member to an initiated member, that becomes her responsibility as well. Yeah. So yeah, how are we- It's part of we... that sorority package. You've got to be bought into all of those elements in a way that feels good to you, right? You've got yeah. to be willing to step into those spaces and support them in a way that feels like it lines up with who you are and who you want to be. And that's why those questions are important in round one and round two and yeah. not, you know, the day before initiation. That's too late to ask that question. So, right. you know, getting confident and asking those things early is only going to make for a better member experience for you as a new member and a better member experience for you two years into your organization, three years in. That's when you start to really see the benefits of that work that you did very early in the process. Yeah. Amazing. So given all of these changes that mm -hmm. we are encouraging, right, either annually or as needed, right, at least annually, 
some of those things get lost in the process, right? As they happen from the national organization level down, or even just from an executive council, or maybe a fraternity and sorority life office with policies changing at a rapid place for maybe some recruitment officers, advisors, or volunteers who might be listening. What would you recommend we do to ensure that all stakeholders from potential new members to members to leaders are educated and understand what's happening to speak to the changes being made? Yeah, this is really an important conversation. And it's one that I've had quite a bit over the last few years um, with organizations at various levels. And I really think, again, when we go back to this idea of, of supportive DEI content and work is really about all of the elements about things that are being offered and supported in the organization. At minimum, every chapter should have a DEI related officer position and a supportive committee. If you use a committee structure, yeah. depending on your organization size, but every chapter should have a DEI officer as part of their officer team. I personally think that should be part of your executive level offer officers if you have the designation. But without that, you don't have someone who can work year over year on the strategy and the goals. These are ongoing initiatives, just like every other operation in your organization. Yeah. Someone needs to be leading that charge year over year. So having an officer is critical to that work. I will also say, as you're thinking about that officer position and that's being designed, whether that's something you design for the, your chapter or it comes down from the national organization, that when you're working to fill that position, that you are not tokenizing a member of the organization to place them in that role. That's a, we could have a whole session on tokenizing. Right, much longer episode, yep. But you really wanna find someone who's invested in the work, just like you would wanna find someone who's invested in the finance team. So really making sure that you have someone who's ready to put in the work of education and learning. It's very much part of that member development kind of concept. That person has to be really ready to do a lot of learning themselves in order to be really great in that position. I would also say beyond the chapter level, every college panhellenic should also have a DEI chair on their college panhellenic. Mm -hmm. Because again, then we're getting outside of individual chapters and we're getting into the community. We're getting into council governance. We're getting into shared community governance and we're getting into longer term, broader impact strategy and goals and values alignment for your Greek community. So every council, you know, I'm talking about Panhellenic Council for now, but every council should have someone who's invested in that DEI work as well, yeah. because they want that consistent ongoing support. So in each year, like I said, each of those roles should be reviewing things and doing some assessment and thinking. I think at the chapter level, assessment is really important. How regularly mm. are we giving voice to our members? That's what inclusion looks like. That's what belonging feels like, is that we are making space for our members to give feedback, insight, to question, to challenge, to make sure that the perspectives of the organization are being seen and heard. And we can do that through formal assessments. We can do that through informal discussion and, and meetings and check-ins. But part of that means that we are constantly seeking feedback from our membership, from the entire membership, not just the officer board, right. but that's really important is creating those spaces. So I think beyond those, you know, having those officer roles, really getting clear on sort of creating spaces for the voice of the membership to be heard and really putting some pressure on national organizations to create ongoing education and support at the national level, because 
that is what allows us to make really large structural changes when we can have some of those mm -hmm. things happening across the board. Um, we can do great things in our individual chapters, but sometimes we need that larger structure and larger support. So ensuring that you as members are advocating to your national body, here are the things we want, here are the things we need, so that they know how to respond and provide the right kind of education and support for you as, as a chapter member, or as a chapter officer. So I think once all of those things can kind of work collectively, easier said than done, right? Um, that we start to see what could look like really transformative spaces where we start to see, you know, high levels of member retention because they're feeling included and seen, yeah. high levels of members wanting to run for office because they're feeling like their voices are heard, highly active Greek communities doing amazing things in their, um, you know, social spaces and in their um, service spaces. That's how you start to see those really big changes, but it takes time and it takes building and it takes that commitment from every level to start to see those things really pay off. Well, and I think recruitment is the beginning of wanting to accomplish all those things, right? We recruit members that we want to retain. We recruit members that we want to become those leaders. And so given what you just explained, right, we have to be assessing, evaluating, providing feedback considering large structural changes in recruitment to have those bigger scale benefits like Absolutely. retention, like leader, like strong leadership in a chapter. We have to be changing recruitment to see those things, especially in environments where we aren't having that initially. I mean, retention was through the roof last year and we have never had a fully virtual recruitment. And suddenly right. we completely changed the way we do recruitment and we see all these women stay. And so Ideally, we aren't only meeting one another through video chat for the rest of recruitment's future, but maybe there's like some happy medium we can find in the middle to provide a more focused, intentional recruitment experience through that assessment and feedback to provide similar outcomes. Yeah, I so think it, it showed for a lot of us that showed that the traditional methods, while great, have space to shift and change around yeah. recruitment. And that when we do take away sort of the bells and whistles and we really get down to talking with each other and learning about each other and having those moments of connection, we find an authentic way of creating sisterhood with others. And yeah. I think overall that Greek experience in the last year, while so many things were challenging, there were some really amazing highlights because the focus really was on the relationship building and what we could do collectively together because we couldn't do a lot of the other things that sorority is sort yeah. of known for, right? Yeah. And so the sisterhood piece, I think, really was what we could focus in on in the last year. And that mm -hmm. began with recruitment. It began with yep. us really taking that time during the recruitment process to share our sorority stories, to do that in new and innovative ways, to bring in as many voices yeah. as we could. And that's what I think potential new members will always gravitate to and what they will always feel the most benefit from. And mm -hmm. I hope some of those practices really stick around because I think they are creating really strong sisterhood bonds and connections. And it has stemmed from us sort of revolutionizing the recruitment right. experience. Yeah. So I guess building off that as we close, my question for you is knowing that recruitment needs to shift from the way we've traditionally done it to see those long-term benefits, what does a successful inclusive recruitment experience look like? Yeah, well, I think the most important thing 
to remember is that look, success looks different for every campus. Yep. It looks different for every chapter. And there is something about the competitive nature of the process that takes away that idea of what success looks like. That for me feels like inclusive recruitment base is that you have to understand that as a community, recruitment is going to mean success in different ways for each individual organization, each individual chapter and each individual campus, right? That's really important because what we don't wanna do is create an environment where um, successes are pitted against one another, that we're yeah. really trying to figure out what it looks like to do meaningful sisterhood for our organization and success will be measured differently. But I do think one of the things I find as an important moment of opportunity around recruitment and around the Greek experience in general, and this is something that over the last couple of years, I've had a lot of interest in and focus on working with our NPC Access and Equity Committee, working within my own organization. These conversations are happening across our Panhellenic community is really talking about the financial, financial implications of the recruitment experience. Yeah. And that's one of the things that if we're looking at how do we get new members in the door from the very beginning of the Greek experience, looking about that financial piece, I think that again, if this last year has taught us anything, it's that what really matters to be funded in the organization, we will find ways to do that. Mm -hmm. And that we have to be flexible um, with life circumstances and things that maybe um, challenge our members experience um, in a financial capacity. Yeah, I think recruitment costs are a place where we can start to really think about making the Greek experience accessible. Um, so if yeah. you as a Panhellenic Council or as a chapter are wanting to voice, have your voice in the Panhellenic Council space, thinking about the recruitment fees, some of them are astronomical um, and really go beyond the fee of operations. They are just charging a lot of money for extra things that potentially we don't need. Um, yeah. Anytime we charge a late registration fee, that's challenging for me. <laughs> the first hurdle a member has to have is how do I even pay just to go through the recruitment process? We're never yeah. going to get them through the membership process. But what we know yeah. in the membership process is there's usually a payment plan and there are scholarships yep. and there are all these other things. But if our initial financial barrier is that recruitment just to go through recruitment costs me $200, I'm already at a bit of a disadvantage of just coming up with that off my summer job is a little right. bit challenging, right? So I think there's some space there that inclusive community and inclusive recruitment can start by looking at our fees associated with them. It can start with thinking about what it means when we try to measure success. And I think we have a lot to think about when it comes to recruitment. In, in order to support the idea of diversity and in recruitment, um, inclusion and in recruitment, is to set really um, important goals for your organization. What do these things mean for us as a chapter? What does success look like? What does our membership need to feel like they had a good recruitment experience? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that isn't about basing it on the other experience of other uh, chapter members. Um, and the same goes for our PNMs. What do I need to have a good recruitment experience? Might look very different than what my roommate needs to have a good recruitment yeah. experience. And when you can really hone in on what we each need to have a meaningful recruitment process, you start to have a process where people are feeling that sense of, um, acceptance and openness and excitement that sometimes I think can be hard to find when we're so stressed and so totally. So, you know, making those spaces where conversations about critical and important topics are encouraged and valued, uh, making sure that our organizations see that in our outward expressions like our social media, 
But knowing that those are questions that will come up, it starts with our chapters, but it also includes everyone who's a part of that recruitment process. Yeah. I, I think setting those individual goals um, for a chapter, for individuals going into recruitment, maybe if you're a vice president of recruitment or vice president of membership listening, you give your recruiters that homework. If you're a Panhellenic vice president of membership, yes. you give that homework to set your individual goals and then come together. And maybe as part of your chapter story, you make a chapter goal, right? What is success gonna look like specifically around making every potential new member feel included and seen? Um, yeah. Ebony, yeah, this because was... success so far, I think for a lot yeah. of us, and before we go, I think success has really been measured by numbers and targets. And yeah. while those are critical and important, right, to an organization, it really does come down to what does in what do each individual, um, what does each individual member need to feel successful in the recruitment process, and then doing everything we can that's within our power, even if it's uncomfortable or difficult, to try yeah. and make that happen. That's what inclusive recruitment looks like. Yeah, We see what folks need. We try and accommodate what we can to make that happen. And then we get the best out of our, our recruiters. We get the best out of our chapters. We get the best out of our PMs. And then I think that's when we get the best out of the community overall, right? But we have to mm -hmm. take that time, ask those questions, put in that work. And I think the results will speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for giving us that like really hopeful, piece to touch on to end on because I know that's going to provide so much clarity for any listener as they go into recruitment um all of your information is listed in the show notes or the YouTube description, wherever people are listening. <laughs> um and so definitely connect with our new sister friend Ebony. Um we are so thankful um that we got to have you on our recruitment takeover. This was amazing. Thank you so much again for inviting me. It was a joy to be here. Super excited to make some new sister friends and really appreciate the space that you're creating for these conversations. They're important and they're meaningful. And I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Amazing. Thanks, Ebony. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Your Sorority Journey podcast this week. If this episode left you with any guidance or confidence to navigate your sorority membership, we would love to hear from you. Share a screenshot of this episode on your Instagram story and tag Her Sorority Journey so we can know what resonated with you. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen so more sister friends can find this guidance just like you. Here for you always, sister. 